Hello, welcome to another episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Bourne. And I'm Leah. How's it going, everyone? I hope everyone's having a good Sunday today. Yeah. And, yeah. So, Colin. What's up? You watched your very first true crime docuseries with me last week. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about that. I don't want to. I do. (laughs) It's a big thing for you. Oh, shut up. You want to know why it's a big thing for me? Because for the past eight years that you and I have been together, yeah, you've, but... no, you've introduced me to so many different types uh, of entertainment, whether it's music, movies, TV shows, other shit. And I've taken it in to the best of my ability. And, he, and although I don't like everything that you've had me watch and listen to, I wanted to do the same thing for you for once. Because I like stuff. That you don't particularly like. Like true crime. So, I saw this docuseries that's now on Netflix called Worst Roommate Ever. It's a five-episode docuseries about different cases where people who live with other people can sometimes be very terrible situations. And I thought, as somebody like Colin, who has dealt with multiple different types of roommates and multiple different types of living situations, Mm -hmm. I thought that you would be interested in watching this particular docuseries. Yeah, well, the thing I've learned from this docuseries is do not find roommates on Craigslist. Well, it's not even just Craigslist. It's other, like, methods of looking for roommates. And the first one wasn't even just a roommate situation. It was this... It's the case of Dorothea Puente... And she was running a boarding house, but unfortunately for her tenants, uh, once she had them sign their social security checks off to her, she would kill them and then just keep collecting the checks. Yeah, how fucked is that? Like, seriously, I'd be really pissed if one of my family members had to go through that. Yeah, it's very upsetting. I'll kill her. But the rest of the ones were just as heinous, if not even more dark than the other. And the last two episodes is actually a two-parter of a really bizarre case I've never even heard of where it's not so much a serial killer, it's a serial squatter. And I've never even heard of people like this. And it's crazy to think that, in, in this case they talk about it, but there are actually more laws that protect squatters than the actual tenants who are legally living there. Isn't that nuts? It is nuts. That's what made this whole thing so terrifying. Not just to watch, but it it really terrifying for the people who had to deal with this individual. Just, you know, moving into their place and just taking over their whole lives and them not being able to get rid of him in any way, shape, or form was just terrible. That's why I'm glad I never had to deal with any squatters in my life. Seriously, those are the worst. Yeah, But how did it make you feel watching something that intense? Uh, I mean, it made me feel uncomfortable, but I know there's a realization of life of where you're living with someone and you want to live with people who are close friends with you, but some people don't even have friends. That's why some of them, they chose things like Craigslist because they feel like it's like kind of like helping them to find someone to like kind of like live with and make a budget and stuff like that and that's what you're always trying to do is trying to live on your own and just trying to survive you know in different ways and living wise too i mean trust me i've done that a lot where i've lived with a lot of different roommates but here's the thing though 
I never had to do Craigslist or any of that. I just mostly just knew through friends. Yeah. You know, and I'm just glad that I lucked out with that. But even with some people I've lived with, I wasn't really happy to live with. I mean, I've had some great roommates and I've had some, eh, okay roommates. Yeah. And I think, too, I mean, because like I said, the first case is totally different from the rest of them. It's Mm -hmm. It's a landlady taking in tenants in her boarding house and killing them for their social security checks. Whereas the other three, um, well, I shouldn't say other three because another, there's another case where a guy was scamming his roommates and other people outside of the country for money. And he didn't actually kill anybody, but he attempted to kill two people. And the other two cases were, yeah, situations where people who were living on their own needed a little bit of financial assistance and they figured the best solution was to get a roommate. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the person that they agreed to let live in their home was not quite what they had hoped for. Yeah. And it's ter- it's a terrible situation when you do it that way. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was very interesting because, again, some of these cases I've never even heard of. The Dorothy Puente one was one I've definitely heard of. Lily, you're going to be okay. She's crying because she, her food's on the table, and I would just give it to her. Yeah. Screw it. Yeah. She's ready. It's yeah. Ready. Give Bowie his, too. Come here, Bubba. Go on, Bubba. Eat your food. So, like I said, it was one that I wanted Colin to check out because, again, you've had that kind of life before where you've needed to reach out to roommates. Man, I've had a good life know. doing that. I mean, it was and interesting. It was a lot to learn, and it was fun. Yeah. And but I'll, there were times that were pretty tough and, yeah. and rough and everything. But at least now I actually, out, out of all those roommates, I got the best roommate now. Right. And I think, too, especially considering the fact that nowadays people can't really afford to live totally on their own. No. They they need that extra income to help keep up with their bills and pay their rent and all that. I mean, if you got two and, jobs and do it that way, that's totally fine. Yeah, but. but it's hard. And I think that the more people start to consider rooming with another person, the more, I think, aware that they need to be when looking for somebody to live with. That's it's not, just, yeah, it's not just about compatibility. Mm-hmm. You need somebody that you know is going to be reliable enough to be able to help pay the bills. And that's incredibly sad, too, when you yeah. have to have someone help you, too. And I mean, it's great. You know, it's like at least you have people helping you and you have someone there, whether it's fan, friends or family. But it still sucks that we live in a society or economy that we can't really like make enough to live on our own right and that's and even the housing market is just not where the housing market right now is hell yeah i mean we're trying to get a house and we can't even do it because the marketing of it is way too high it's not that we can't do it it's just that we're not there yet i mean yeah we're not there yet but i'm saying it's hard for us to try to get a house right away especially with how much houses cost yeah so with that being said i wanted to talk about that because I mean, we mostly are a horror movie podcast, but a lot of horror movies are usually based off of true crime stuff. Not that this is where we're going with our conversation, but I just thought it would be a nice little segue into our main topic of uh, conversation today, which is we're going to finally review the new Scream movie Mm -hmm. that came out in January. Yeah, just Scream, or some people might call it Scream 5. Right. Now, we already did a speed review prior to this 
of Screams 1 through 4. So if you want to go check out that, I believe it's, what, season 2? Hasn't been too long ago since we did the Scream speed review. So I figure today we'll just do the fifth one. We'll go over our general thoughts and opinions on it. Mm-hmm. And then just kind of go through the rhythms that we usually go through. Okay, that's So, fine. should I get started? Yes. Alright, so... Scream 5, or just simply Scream, uh, was released January 14th of 2022. It has a runtime of an hour and 54 minutes. It was directed by Matt... I'm going to butcher a little name, and I apologize, but it's Matt Beltinelli Olpin. And it has an IMDb rating of 6.7 out of 10, which is usually their average rating for most movies. So that's not too shocking. What's the Rotten Tomatoes? 77%. Oh, wow. Which is interesting. But then again... Didn't the last one have like that same amount? I think it might have had a little bit higher. I I don't have time to look it up. But anyway, let me get through. (laughs) So it stars Nev Campbell, Jenna Ortega, Dylan Minnette, uh, Jack Quaid, Courtney Cox, David Arquette, and Kyle Gallner. And the synopsis is 25 years after a streak of brutal murder shocked the quiet town of Woodsboro, California, a new killer dons the ghost face mask and begins targeting a group of teenagers to resurrect secrets from the town's deadly past. Hmm. So this is my general review. I have some mixed feelings about this one. I understand the need to continue the franchise. However, I think the idea and concept of a quote, requel, is incredibly over the top. Um, I did appreciate the homages, easter eggs, and references of other horror movie faves, like favorites. Like there's a lot of references of Elm Street, Nightmare, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, Friday the 13th, you know, all, like, the classic. All slime. basically a lot of Wes Craven stuff. So this is basically a big homage for him and for yeah. this movie. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, I understand the need to keep the story going. Mm-hmm. The idea of a requel, though, is a bit over the top. Which I've never heard of it refer, uh, uh, referred to as requel until I saw this movie. Yeah, and I've so... I've never, like, reboot or sequel and mix it together called requel. So, essentially, Mindy Meeks, who is essentially the niece of Randy Meeks... Which, that b- blew my mind. Yeah. She explains the requel as a remake prequel of the original lineup and the way she acted in this film and her per- and her um, um, love for like horror stuff yeah. and everything she really is her uncle her general understanding of horror movies and the enthusiasm she brings is definitely it gives Randy vibes for sure which I appreciate don't get me wrong it recreates a lot of the same like similar scenes from the original movie as well especially the opening scene with Tara being home alone um, she's in her kitchen she's you know, talking on the phone. At one point, she even recreates certain scenes from the first opening scene of the first Scream movie. Except there's no popcorn. There's no popcorn, but she's just walking around the house. It's like a, it's almost like a continuous shot of her just walking around the house, talking on the phone. At one point, she even fiddles with the cutlery set that's on the counter, the exact same way Drew Barrymore did in the first Scream movie, mm-hmm. which I thought was interesting. So there is a lot of references to not only other films, but also Scream itself. Yes. 
I did think it was interesting that Ski Ulrich came back and played I like Billy. I, I kind of like that. The way yeah. that he was like her conscious. Yeah. Which I'm going to just say spoiler right off the bat. Spoiler I, sh- I should I should have said this five minutes ago. You should have. But there's going to be major spoilers. So if you haven't seen it already, it's on Paramount+. Plus. Yeah, but if it's you It's still out in theaters. Yeah, don't listen to us if you haven't Go seen it. Go watch it if you don't want to spoil it for yourself. Mm-hmm. But spoilers will be ahead. So it does... the way. So the way Mindy explains what a requel is, it's a remake with a prequel story. And I think her generalization is whoever the killers are were not happy with the last Stab movie, so to speak, which was essentially the fourth Scream movie. Yeah. And how that was built. Because generally when people hear that a remake is going to be made of, like, a horror classic, there's a collective groan that comes with remakes. Because everyone's tired of them. There are so many of them. Well, not only that, but... Mindy explains it that people who watch the originals have fond family memories of watching the originals, especially if it's like their first time watching it and their favorite horror film ever. They don't want people touching it because they don't want to ruin the memory that comes with watching these movies, which I totally get and understand. I appreciate that. But I think what they were saying was, well, that means your killer is a somebody who didn't like the last stab remake mm-hmm. which was trash it was garbage nobody liked it nobody appreciated it because it was not what the original had set out to do or was not made in the image of how the original was mm-hmm. you know and again i understand that i respect it but i think that being the premise or the drive that um causes these two people to kill other people in this movie is a little bit again over the top for me it's like over explaining something that really does not need to be explained like i could understand if the real goal was to get back at sam because her father is billy loomis and billy loomis did some fucked up shit to somebody who is now uh, living their life with this stigma that, you know, I'm connected to the original murders in some way and I have Billy Loomis to blame for and he's dead now and I can't get my revenge on him so I'm going to attack his kid. That would have been a much more interesting concept. But then again, I have to wonder, like, who is Sam's mom? If, like... Yeah. If clearly, like, Sydney. You know, she had sex with Billy in the first movie, but she clearly didn't get pregnant. Mm. Then, who is Sam's mom? And when did this whole relationship with this woman come to be? Yeah, especially after Sidney Prescott killed... Billy Loomis. Billy Loomis. And so it had to be a little before that. Yeah, it had to be sometime before Sidney, but, you know, still within this, like... So that was a plot hole that I didn't understand. Yeah. I didn't... I did appreciate, though, the fact that they were bringing back a lot of these, like, a lot of the same scenes and uh, settings and, you know, you know, all these relations that these cast members have with previous either victims or killers or people who were related in some ways to the previous movies. 
which I think are, are really interesting. I just don't like the idea of a requel being mm -hmm. the motive behind all this. And not for nothing, I didn't like too that. <laughs> I don't know if this is just me being stupid or whatever, but I didn't like that every time we thought that it was going to be somebody in particular. Like, I thought that kid Wes that Dylan Manette plays, I thought he was the killer at one point in time. And then, surprise, he's not. Because not only his mom gets killed, which I thought, oh, he's probably killing his mom as revenge because she embarrasses the shit out of him because she's the sheriff of Woodsboro. Nope. Turns out, he's not even the fucking killer. Because he didn't even know she was fucking dead. Mm -hmm. And then he gets killed. And I'm like, what the fuck, man? You know? Like, who, who did you think it was when you started watching the beginning of the movie? I don't know. I think with all these Scream movies, I always try to figure out which one is the killer, and they always kind of make it hard mm -hmm. to see which one it was. But I had a feeling I thought it was one of the kids. Well, yeah. generally, it's usually somebody... I apologize. We're eating while we're recording. Mm -hmm. um, so don't but, mind us. But generally when a screen movie is made and the plot is written, the killer is usually somebody within the friend group. Mm -hmm. As they explain, you know, the rules of surviving a stab movie, your killer is going to be somebody either within the friend group or is going to be a love interest to the main character. In this case, the main character is Sam Carpenter, her younger sister, Tara is attacked in the beginning of the movie. She survives, but now she is continuing to be targeted to lure Sam out of hiding so that the original killers can go after her. She is essentially the Sydney Prescott of this movie. But her connection to Billy Loomis is the driving force behind all of this. So that's why I didn't like the idea of a Rayquil being the driving force of it. They just roped her into this whole scenario because, oh my god, she's the daughter of the fucking original killer. And I'm like, okay, but why? Like, she, she left Woodsboro when she was 18 to escape that part of her life. You know? Lily, you're fine. Sorry, she's getting a little grumbly because she hears noises outside. Anyway. um, But yeah, there was just, there's some things I liked about it. But there's a lot of things I didn't like about it. So overall, I believe I gave this movie, in my personal review, a 8.9 out of 10. Hmm. Which is not quite the rating I gave Scream 3, but it's not as good as Scream 4, which I gave a 10 out of 10. Mm -hmm. So, do you have anything else you want to add to it? Yeah, sorry. Um, I think overall, with the story and the and the and the movie, I feel like it's definitely a typical um, scream film, but it's a modern take on what the original was and all the uh -huh. other stories that they reference within this. And I thought it was great. Like the characters, definitely were interesting, and I love how they were bringing back the characters. Um, for this film and to me when I saw this mm -hmm. I got the same feeling and vibes I got from um, Star Wars Force Awakens because it just feels like it's like it's not the same scenarios or anything but it's the same 
thing where it's like it's like coming back from the past and kind of bringing yeah. the past into the future and a lot of the characters had like the same entrance coming in popping out of nowhere and having these legacies mm-hmm. and especially Dewey David Arquette's character yeah and I felt like his character in this film was very much of that Han Solo-esque yeah. type of like um, legacy coming in he was like this one once this great like cop and everything and then now he's like retired sad lonely living in a trailer doesn't have his wife anymore mm-hmm. and it's kind of like that except Han Solo was a little more badass right but but I love but I do love some of the stuff in this uh, the part that made me super sad was um David Arquette's death oh yeah Dewey's death and the yeah which that that reminds me I'm gonna take back what I said about this being a remade prequel because a prequel is technically a bio like a background story from the original storyline Mm-hmm. What they're really achieving is a remade sequel that is supposed to be bigger and better in some ways, but more different than the original. And I think in this aspect, Killing Dewey was supposed to be, they in their minds, the killers, which are Richie, which is Sam's boyfriend, and Amber, Amber. which was a friend of Tara's, um, that, that was, that in their minds, that's something that should have been done in the second movie, mm-hmm. you know, and exactly, David Arquette's character has been like a huge part in the whole fucking franchise. Well, like he's, he's one of the original pillars. Well, oh. not only the original pillar characters, but every time a a case or a murder takes place and it's a ghost face related crime, he's the one who brings the group together. He's the one who goes out and finds Sydney, finds Gail, finds the surviving members from the previous movie to make sure they're okay and say, look, it's happening all over again. I want you guys to be safe. I want you guys to protect yourself. Like, that's his job. Like, that's been his role throughout the past five movies. That sounds like the same thing with uh, the It movie when Mike, when he's older, he yeah. calls all the all his friends from the Losers Club... And let them know that it came back. Yeah. It's almost like that. Speaking of David Arquette, I have a very interesting little tidbit of information I learned on the set of Scream 5. Kill me now. So David Arquette, who is a certified Bob Ross painting instructor, taught several cast members how to paint like the legendary artists during film breaks. How fucking cool is that? That's pretty cool. I love Bob Ross. Are you fucking ki- I wish I could paint like him. To find out that David Arquette is a certified Bob Ross and painting instructor? I didn't even know that was is, an actual thing. It's amazing. That's like job opportunity unlocked. Like job level unlocked. Mm-hmm. Bob Ross painting instructor. I didn't know that like, was a real thing, but okay. I thought that was fucking interesting. But that's just me. That that I out of all of the little facts and tidbits I can find on IMDb on this movie, that was the one that stood out to me the most that I had to jot down in my journal. Also another thing I wanted to mention. That uh, David Arquette is a wrestler. Oh know. no, no. No, everyone knows that. Mm-hmm. Especially his legacy from WCW and all and still 
doing matches now in the indies and stuff like that. But I digress. So, I think for me, one thing I really liked, interesting enough, I know the CGI was awful, but I like how they brought back Skeet Orwick's character as a conscience to his daughter's mind. Yeah. And, and hold on. Mm -hmm. And so, towards the end of the movie, when she was about to almost be killed by her boyfriend, in the mirror, uh, Steve uh, Skeet Orwick is just like, nodding up and down her being like take the knife and stab him because he's a bad guy mm -hmm. and literally what do we do with bad guys we stab them and basically it was cool that because skeet orwick in the original screen movie he was more of a bad guy he was more of the killer yeah in this. and then for this one now he's more like the he's like the guardian angel the guardian type. angel conscience that you know i thought she he would try to get her to kill but instead kill the wrong person or oh, kill the right person who's the bad guy so yeah so so it, he was a good father then. To, to kind of recap what colin is saying so sam carpenter uh had found out at one point in her life that she was the daughter the biological daughter of billy loomis mm -hmm. and ever since then she sees like images of him in like reflective surfaces that's her way of kind of coping with the fact that I am the daughter of a serial killer and the constant fear that I can potentially be like him, a murderous psychopath, which is interesting, you know, because there are, there are cases in real life where serial killers do have actual families that for the most part don't know about their criminal activities. Mm -hmm. So once they're found, like once they're captured... And it's revealed that this is the serial killer. A lot of them are shocked as shit. Especially the kids of these people. They're like, we had no idea that our father was capable of murdering other people. Like, it's crazy to think about. And the fact that in this instance, she had no knowledge of him as a person. She just had to go by what her mom had written in her diary entries mm -hmm. and off of possibly true crime documentaries and like 2020 date <laughs> sorry lily's like resting her head on colin's foot and she looks so cute like she likes to be with her daddy i think that's so sweet i love my kitty yeah love you baby anyway go on um speaking of daddy's girls but anyway um i think it's an interesting thing but again because skeet ulrich is a much older man. Not too old, but definitely old enough to not pass as a high school student anymore. He's old as fuck. There was some CGI work to done, that was done, to make him look younger. Yeah. Which has been done before, especially in It Chapter 2. He looks ugly it's, now. He doesn't look ugly. He he's, looks distinguished. He just looks older. He's ugly. He's not ugly. He's handsome. Alright? Anyway. <laughs> the CGI anti-aging work does not look good. Like, it just made his face look a little distorted. Well, let's, well remember this. I mean, it, it, I could see that, the CGI work. They could have done more better with that. But, hey, think about this. At least they didn't use the CGI work that for the um, Mummy 2 with the Scorpion. The Scorpion King. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was horrible CGI work compared to this. I know, but that... I did not like the way Ski Ulrich looked. I'm like, he doesn't look... Real? 
Yeah, it looked, I mean, generally, it looks fake. Like, I've seen people who do that kind of, like, reflective imagery thing. Where, like, in, even in Candyman, they do it all the time. Where they put the image of somebody in the mirror, but they're not actually, like, standing in the room. And they look real. Mm-hmm. But the way, because they're doing it with Skeet Ulrich and they're using the anti-aging CGI effect, it it doesn't it doesn't look good. Yeah. It doesn't look good. And I'm like, it, it made me second guess too. I'm like, is that really Skeet Ulrich or is that somebody that just looks like a younger version of him? Yeah. Because like, I could have at least seen that. I just couldn't see how that was actually Skeet Ulrich because of the CGI. Mm-hmm. But I thought that was pretty interesting uh, to know about David Arquette. And um, anything else you want to talk about? No, not really. Alright, I do have one last thing before we possibly wrap this up. But the financial success of this film only days after the theatrical release led to the green lighting of a sixth film. I know, right? Isn't that crazy? The directors and screenwriters from this film will reprise their respective roles and the film is set to begin production in the summer of 2022. We are in March right now. Hmm. Summer is like two months away. Well, three. Yeah, three months away. So, it's not going to be too long until Scream 6 will be Probably most likely be coming out next year. Most likely be coming out next year. Will most likely be, like, announced probably by the end of the year. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I just hope they don't Mm. try to keep doing the same sort of bullshit that they're doing with, like, the whole concept of, you know, we're trying to remake our own movie, and this is how it should have been, and blah, blah, blah. It's like, I don't know. It's hard to explain. Yeah. Like, I get that it's supposed to be meta, but there's only so much a movie can be meta before it becomes completely obnoxious. I will say this before we get done. I think the funniest thing that I've heard about one of the things that they called, like, Jordan Peele type of horror, they call it elevated horror. Oh, yeah, that was another thing they kept saying, too. That was so fucking funny. I'm just like, Yeah, because... I mean, like I said, remakes was the theme of the last movie. Mm-hmm. Elevated horror was sort of the theme. See, now, I can understand that. Making their own elevated horror in the form of a stab movie, that's fine, too. But to make it a requel is kind of silly. Yeah, I know. Just the term requel just sounds dumb. Speaking of Jordan Peele, though, I found a Funko Pop of, jo- of Jordan Peele the other I day. Know, you bought it. So I have the Candyman reboot... Funko Pop and the Jordan Peele Funko Pop. And he's got the monkey paw hat, which I think is funny. Yeah. But yeah, that's just my little personal tidbit of news. I'm expanding my Funko Pop collection. Yeah, I wish you didn't, but it's okay. Hey, I like it. And it's mostly horror villains, so... I know, but we're in a small apartment, so you gotta be careful. I know. Well, yeah, other than that, I think we got mostly what we covered. Yep. So, yeah, it's been interesting, and let's just 
Hopefully the next movie will be just as good, if not better. Hopefully better. Well, what would you like to see them do in the next movie? Uh, I don't know. Just do the typical traditions of, like, Scream. Yeah. You know? I mean, Which is? I don't know. Just uh, typical teenage horror scenarios. Kind of reference horror films. Stuff like that. <laughs> Find out who the killer is. I don't know. Maybe kill off, finally, the... 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 Sydney Prescott and uh, Gail Weathers. First of all, shut your fucking face. <laughs> Alright. Those two are treasures. Alright? Yeah, but sometimes treasure sometimes goes away. Just shut your face. What? Anyway. Well, the sad part is there are definitely... Um, Dewey's not going to be in the next film, but they're probably going to do a lot of references to him, and they're probably going to be grieving over him in the next film. Right. I wouldn't be surprised. But yeah, other than that, yeah, no, it's a good film. I like I like this film a lot. I'd definitely give it an eight. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion. Right. So, yeah. Ain't that right, Lily? Yeah. You ready to say bye-bye? She's like, bye-bye? What do you mean, Bye-bye. What do you mean? You Where guys, are we going? You guys were just just here and then left. All right, so. But anyway. If you'd like to follow us outside of the podcast, we still have our Instagram account. And I think that's really all we have as far as, like, news. Just, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram. We still do have our Patreon, even though we're not as active on it as we should be. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, we're still working on getting our podcast more expanded. So when we have plans that are in the works that are definite, we will let you guys know. Sounds good. All right, you ready to sign off? Yeah. Well, it's been a fun. It's been a, it's been a good. It's been a good podcast with me and Aaliyah. Mm-hmm. And I hope you guys enjoy your day. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Abbey Normal Podcast. I'm your host, Colin. And I'm Aaliyah. Signing off saying, what is your favorite scary movie? Halloween. Ugh.